All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. For some reason, I'm congested today. But that doesn't change a few things, like the GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. We are currently streaming live on the WORD Facebook page and the X page. If those things are your cups of tea. Right now, our hapless Senate is considering what is referred to as constitutional carry. Which I've never been a big fan of that particular uh, phrase. Uh, the, the, the Bill of Rights is primarily about the federal government, although the Bill of Rights insinuates itself into the states. And what should have been done was essentially what Vermont did, because Vermont has never had any rules. They've been a permitless carry state since 1791. But no, we couldn't operate that way. We had to get out there and have rules amongst everybody else. What I'm finding the most mind-numbing for me on this one, if, if South Carolina was leading the way and we were the first state considering permitless carry, I would look at this in a, in, in a slightly different light. But no, we're not. And we get this, and you know, this is what bugs me the most about this. I get told by everybody all the time that the upstate region of South Carolina carries the GOP. We pretty much set the agenda. Well, check this out. Coming from Greenville News Online, and no attribution as to who wrote this piece of garbage. Every year, 1,044 South Carolinians die by gun violence, and another 2,358 are wounded giving us the sixth highest rate nationally. As if these numbers aren't alarming enough, the state legislature could soon pass a permitless carry, Bill S-109, likely to increase the tragedies. Let's just start right there, okay? Historically speaking, whenever we're talking about, uh, quote, gun violence, end quote, we're also lumping into this suicide. And normally it's between the high 50s and the low 60 percentile of all of that is suicide. Which is violence done on oneself. Which is a, this is a coping means that people who are very despondent and despair about everything, this is their first moment of peace and then it's very hard to talk them out of it. And the rest of it is crime for the most part. The, the accidental shootings have gone way down. But I'll tell you what makes me angry about this. Let's say all 1,044 of these that they're talking about the, each year. And I, there's no citation as to where they get that from, right? Um, let's say that's all crime. Now, permitless carry would only pertain to law-abiding citizens. Anybody that can pass the background check would be allowed to carry the gun. Simple thing. But... There, whoever wrote this, whichever ignorant punk wrote this article, they're conflating what happens with those numbers, if I'm nice enough to give them, just for the sake of argument, we'll say they exist, 
They're saying that you're the cause of that. The law-abiding citizen is the cause of that. They say two different things. They say that 1,044 South Carolinians died by gun violence, another 2,358 are wounded. And there's a law out there to legally carry, uh, you know, uh, permitless carry, which would make it to where you don't have to have the state's permission to carry a gun. Now, all of a sudden, when, when the concealed carry permits were coming out in the beginning, it was going to be blood in the streets. It was going to be blood in the streets. And, uh, well, that didn't pan out. As a matter of fact, for the, uh, for the concealed carry permits, the gun uh, coalition of stop gun violence, they got out there and they did something called concealed carry killers where they looked at Texas and they expected to find a bunch of concealed carry permit people just shooting people down like they were, you know, I don't know, ducks or something. And they found out that if you didn't have a permit in Texas, you were seven times more likely to commit a crime of some kind than if you did. They found out that the people that have permits could let, commit less crime than do police in Texas. So that didn't work out well at all. We also know that there's 27 states that have permitless carry. And given what we know about what happened with those states, whatever you may read or anything, I've seen numbers like wherever they loosen it, crime goes up 15%. Um, no, that's, that's not the way that works. Ohio passed it a year ago. And if you look at the year before they passed it and the year after they passed it, Crime went down out of eight of their biggest cities. Crime went down in six of them. So no crime. And where it went up, it wasn't busting at the seams. It ticked up. So permitless carry, basically, this is where your state government gets out there and looks at you and says, this is your right and this is a right. And this is how we treat a right. And this means you don't have to have my permission to execute said right. So, they also say that it would allow 18 to 20-year-olds, a group, a group known to commit homicides at triple the rate of people 21 and older, to carry handguns with no training. Now, what they're doing now is taking all of the young people in South Carolina that are not members of a gang and per conflating them with a gang. So, everybody that's just a law-abiding person, we all get pulled into this thing where we are, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those... Uh, we're, we're criminals. We're criminals in waiting, right? And they write, in states that have weakened their firearms permitting requirements, studies have found that violent crimes have increased 13 to 15%. Where did you get the number from? The only place that I get stats from, I, I go by CDC and John, Dr. John Lott, which... Basically, they're about the same. They over, you could overlay them and they look the same way. Dr. John Lott's method is so sound that even the anti-gunners cannot fault him. CDC, well, they inadvertently tell the truth. Um, we do not see that. If crime had gone up 15% in these states that have permitless carry, you cannot imagine. As a matter of fact, crime went down last year in a lot of places.
The other thing they get out there, they're using uh, what the... And see, this is the thing about the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights predates the Constitution, predates the Supreme Court, predates the, the, the republic form of government, the federal, you know, the federal form of government that has a republic. We, all of that predates all of that, those things. If they, had, if they hadn't written it down, it would still be a right that we're born with. So it bugs me to no end to know that this came from Greenville News Online because they are, of course, advocating that we vote no on S-109. Now, the South Carolina House has already passed this. I've, I'm seeing various things like I know, for example, uh, we've had three Republicans that have voted no on it so far. Oh, gosh. Uh, and we, let's see, let me find those three guys. Three Republicans, three Republicans. Shane Massey, District 25. Luke Rankin, District 33. And George Campson, District 43. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why the Republican Party looks like a clown car. We cannot even get together and agree on one thing that is just based on the Bill of Rights. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Ohio. Because Ohio just passed it. We've, had, we've got a year of stats before, a year of stats after. And we're going to get rid of the fear-mongering. If that's something that concerns you, it's 2A Tuesday. If this concerns you, I you know, let's put that aside. On the text line, Bill must most know it all. Uh, police chiefs and sheriffs are against the bill. They're always against that kind of stuff. Johnny Mac Brown did not think you should have a gun. Remember that, cat? So... That when we get back. I'm sort of I'm sort of steamed over this, if you if you can tell. Two A Tuesday. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. Now, before we get too far into this, uh, GS Plumbing Talk Line is uh, 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. There is a There are certain advantages to having a concealed carry permit in South Carolina, one of them being that when you buy a gun, you do not have to go through a background check. However, there are certain places now, uh, a lot of places now have gone to this electronic 40, form 4473. And they've done that because it saves them in the long run from some of the mistakes that they're actually shutting down FFLs over. The simple pen and ink mistakes on the handwritten 4473. So a lot of them have gone to this software, which I kind of think, given how long it takes to go through and get your approval... I kind of think it probably does a background check. If somebody out there actually utilizes this and can uh, can contradict me on that with some knowledge that I don't have, I'd love to know it. I'm just going by the time that it seems to take if you go buy a gun where they're using electronic form 4473s. But if you have the permit, that means that you've already been vetted and you're, you're good to go. And the other thing about a permit is you cannot venture across the South Carolina state line and carry a gun without the permit. So if you're going to travel outside of South Carolina, 
still go get the permit. I've got mine. I'm going to keep mine. I'm not going to let mine lapse. But, you know, you're, you're hearing a lot of fear-mongering going on right now. And uh, that's probably, I, this is basically your, comment, your, your, your fellow citizen not trusting you. Although, the more data you look at, the more you find out that it makes the state safer. Now, in June of 2022, <clears throat> excuse me, Ohio became the 23rd state in the nation to legalize permitless carry. All it really is is if you want to buy a gun, you pass the background check, you buy the gun, carry the gun. That's it. You don't have to go through the time-consuming permitting process to carry the gun. If you're getting it for self-defense, you might still want to get the permit, but while you're while you're waiting to do the permit, because you have to find a class, take the class, wait on it to come back, you can still be carrying the gun legally. I can see that quite, quite ably right there. Now, Ohio's law, as well as the one they're considering here, still prohibits prohibited people from buying or possessing a firearm, like felons, people convicted of domestic violence, individuals with serious mental health conditions. If you are a law-abiding citizen and a legal gun owner, law-abiding citizen and a legal gun owner, uh, you can't carry inside a school. You can't carry inside a building. You're not allowed to consume any alcohol while you're carrying. So a lot of things still stay in place. Now, in Ohio, the leftists and the anti-gunners and the and the and the snowflakes uh, opposed the institution of permitless carry, insisting it would lead to a rise in gun violence. Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther called permitless carry reckless and dangerous. The Democrat Party there said it will make Ohioans less safe and increase gun crime. But then if you go back and you look at, go, go see what their attorney general, Dave Yost, has to say. He, he, he released a report in January. So in the uh, capital city of Ohio, Columbus, where it was 10.79 crimes per thousand the year before, it was 9.55 crimes the year after. The only, the only cities where it went up are Dayton and Cincinnati. These, these are out of Col uh, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Toledo, Canton, Parma, Dayton, and Akron. Cleveland went down. Toledo went down. Now, it does, and this is not to downplay, you know, uh, around here in this area, we have uh, a couple of, uh, couple of zip codes that are actually pretty dangerous. And we, we should not de-emphasize that that's still happening. But when you look at this and you say, okay, so now you, the citizen, have a right to carry a gun. If you also let that coincide with focusing on criminals, keep the pressure on them, well, then you're going to see crime go down, and that's what they did in Ohio. But this merely re-emphasizes decades of real data that showing that both constitutional concealed carry and open carry laws are associated with less violent crime and less gun crime. Back in 2015, then State Representative Matt Gates of Florida was highlighting how DOJ data showed violent crime was 
23% higher in non-open carry states as he was looking for an open carry bill, in, in, uh, and they're still looking for that in Florida. But they do have permitless carry. It, it's a very interesting thing about Florida. They have permitless carry, but they don't have open carry. And we have open carry, but not permitless carry. <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, Florida did see an overall 10% de de decrease in gun deaths and entries in 2023 compared to 2022, including decreases of up to 20% in some cities. In Alabama, which has some of the worst per capita gun violence, they uh, uh, constitutional carry took uh, took effect last year, and they went from gun deaths went from twelve hundred seventy seven to eleven hundred forty one, and we're not going to see a gigantic drop in any of this stuff in any of these places where it's put in place. We're going to see a gradual drop, and it will continue year to year to year to year. Crime's always going to be there, but most people who are law abiding are law-abiding all of their life. Most people don't wake up and, uh, you know, how was your day yesterday? I had a pretty bad day. What about you? Me too. What are you going to do today? I think I'm going to start knocking off liquor stores. Most people don't do that. Vermont, who I mentioned earlier, they've had uh, permitless carry since 1791. They also have the lowest homicide rate in the country, along with ranking among the states with the lowest violent crime and gun crime. They now listen. They they're not stacked on top of each other like some of these big cities are. Some of these population centers, you know, something to be said about that. New Hampshire and Maine, they've also had constitutional carry since 2017 and 2015, and they consistently rank among the top five safest states in the country per CDC data. And like I said, suicide. They always add suicide to that because, really, truly, if you look at what kind of crime we have in this nation. With this kind of population, with as many guns as we have available, we actually are quite peace-loving. We're almost pacifistic. Because if it, if it were actually true that, you know, I keep hearing, well, there's 100 million guns. We've had 100 million gun owners in the United States since Obama took his oath of office. I think it's probably closer to 150. They say we have we, we had 300 million guns for a decade, right? I think it's probably closer to 550 million guns. But even using their their numbers, which once again are lower than they actually are, uh, I would say that uh, we probably are actually quite quite adept at this whole handling guns thing and you know being law-abiding citizens nonetheless. <laughs> On the text line, there's two bills before the Senate. H3594 and S109, H53594 uh, passed the House and is being debated on the Senate floor. Both of these bills have removed the language that would have made it illegal to carry or possess a firearm or ammo um, on a misdemeanor conviction. They're now sound bills. They need now to pass filibuster and be voted on. Somebody's disagreeing with me on the constitutional carry thing, too. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk to Lee Williams, from the investigative reporter from the Second Amendment Foundation. Just see what he's got on his mind. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right. 
On your way home tonight, if you haven't figured out what is for dinner yet, I've got a suggestion for you. You should swing by your local Ingalls market. At Ingalls, first of all, you have you have the 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 result of feedback from all the customers that have gone there before you. Because Ingalls listens to that. They are trying to earn your business by giving you more than you ex than you would expect coming into any grocery store. And so they deliver it. Whether it's that grocery department that is so very well appointed and so very thoughtfully laid out with the variety that it has, or the meat department, which is peerless. There might be some, you know, there might be some they're almost as good, but nobody like them. Not with that, not with that variety, not with that that all of that uh, available good the good cuts of beef, pork, chicken, seafood. The deli, the deli is, uh, you know, the deli is, uh, the, the Ingalls rendition of the deli is almost like a, it's a combination of a fine dining restaurant, a sub sandwich place, and a, a uh, meat and three. And the old school customer service you get, it's, I mean, you, you can't teach that. It's something that is, uh, Ingalls has their own culture amongst themselves. So on your way home, and there's over 200 locations within the broadcast area for you to choose from. On your way home, take a minute and stop by your lake local Ingalls Market. Two A Tuesday. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Joining me now from, uh, well, he's in Florida, but he is the lone investigative reporter for the Second Amendment Foundation, this being Lee Williams. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I want to talk about weed, Bill. Weed? Yeah. As, as, um, as in Cheech and Chong weed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got to say, the Second Amendment Foundation, uh, it, it, I'm really proud to be a member. And I mean, last week they filed suit against Attorney General Merrick Garland and uh, directors Ray and Dettelbach of the FBI and ATF and the U.S. government challenging and trying to restore the Second Amendment rights of those who use medicinal marijuana. Right. And I got to tell you, it was filed in the Western District of PA, uh, and I could not be any prouder. Uh, as a veteran, I know you're a veteran, too. Uh, I know a lot of guys that uh, have been prescribed a lot of crap from the VA. I know a SEAL, he's in a wheelchair. He was prescribed eight to take 18 pills three times a day, which, um, Bill, gave him, to put it mildly, it gave him problems in the bathroom and in the bedroom. Right. Uh, he he has switched. He has since switched over to me medical cannabis, and he takes two pills, two anti seizure pills, twice a day. It is magic. I mean, medicinal marijuana is uh, the law of the land in 38 states. Yet, unfortunately, it's still Schedule One narcotic up there with heroin and LSD. So it's illegal federally. So, uh, truthfully, if you use medicinal cannabis, you are not supposed to own or purchase a firearm. 
right? Which is bunk. Which is complete bunk, man. Well, and, uh, and kind of... you know, uh, here, here. Let me ask this question about this. Um, why isn't why isn't all the why aren't all these states where uh, why isn't Gavin Newsom in jail right now? Because he defies federal law with being a sanctuary state. And he also defies federal law by they, it's you know marijuana is legal there. Why isn't he in jail? You know that's a good question. Um, thanks, thank Nixon for that. Uh, <laughs> Nixon is the one that had him originally scheduled. I mean, you know, you can go out and and down two bottles of vodka every time you have lunch, and your Second Amendment rights are not in jeopardy. But you know, we're seeing this, and, and to be honest, we're only now starting to fully understand the medicinal properties of, of marijuana. And I mean, it works on TBI, traumatic brain injury, works on PTSD, works on a, a host of unseen wounds. And, it, you know, the VA can't even prescribe it, even in the states where it's legal, they can't because this, we've They're got the this pesky yeah. federal law. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, uh, over the years, I've seen a lot of groups try and propose legislation. Oh, we're going to make, we're going to deschedule it or unschedule it, or let's make it legal federally. None of that's worked. So it's time for some litigation. It's it, it's time to throw a brick through the plate glass window and go after Garland and Ray and Dettelbach and, and and try and get these rights restored. Because, you know, these vets are coming home. They've been around guns for years in the military. And now legally, they're not supposed to have them. Uh, it's bunk. I You know, uh, one of the things about marijuana, Right. And if I wanted to smoke marijuana right now, I couldn't because I can't smoke anything. I can't vape. I can't smoke a cigar. I can't smoke a cigarette. Since I had the heart attack, my lungs simply will not permit it. So for me, that's off the board. However, um, where it is legal, right? Well, that just, edibles just take, they just defeat the purpose, maestro. <laughs> edibles defeat the purpose. Getting, if you know, if... if Nah, I'm just not going to go that way. That's just not my way to roll. However, all I'm thinking is this. Um, why is alcohol, which actually has had, I mean, we went through prohibition. It became, uh, it, it was constitutionally prohibited there for a while. Stupid, it, it was a stupid policy to begin with. But what is the likelihood that I'm going to uh, become I, not that and especially not that girl out and where is it california notwithstanding that stabbed her boyfriend accidentally 108 yeah. times because of a two bong hits yeah. that's the only time i've ever heard of anybody being going psychotic on marijuana well don't forget the movie reefer madness if you, one token you're going to jump out a window to your well, death yeah, right see Remember that's that? what that girl had she had reefer madness so uh, <laughs> yeah i mean you can go out and drink two bottles of vodka with lunch and your second amendment rights are fine yeah, uh, but it, you know we're seeing a lot of dudes coming back. Some of them have left chunks of their bodies in these foreign countries. By the way, yeah, uh, finding relief through cannabis, and they should not have to give up their Second Amendment rights to do so, and they shouldn't have to lie on a forty-four seventy-three because that is incredibly actionable. Yep. Yep, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So uh, where where has uh, so where. So Allen is suing the feds on this one, then. Yeah, it's the the case is being handled by Adam Kraut, SAF's executive director, 
and Joshua Prince, who is a god in the second, an attorney who's a god in the Second Amendment community. He's also based in PA, and we are looking for more plaintiffs. The current plaintiff right now, and this will blow your mind, Bill, is the Warren County, Pennsylvania District Attorney. He's held that office since 2013 and, and uses medicinal marijuana. He's got a marijuana ID that's legal under Pennsylvania law. He is the, our main plaintiff, but we are looking for more. Um, so go to saf.org if you think you qualify. So when, when somebody, so if somebody smokes medicinal marijuana and they lose their gun rights, uh, do they lose their right to vote? No. Do they uh, lose? Do they lose their First Amendment right? Do they lose their fifth and no, fourth? And they can still go to church and and peacefully. See, that's that's. And, I think well, that's where that. I think that's part of their stumbling block right there. You can't just look at the Bill of Rights and say, you know, if it's bad. Listen, if it's if it's if you're so bad that you cannot walk the streets with a gun without a custodian, you don't need to be walking the streets. Sorry. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Sorry. And you know. I think Bruin will find something on this uh, because I have yet to see any type of prohibition against cannabis that was in effect in this in 1791. So it's a matter of time. I, th I see this one going to the Supremes if needed, but it's better than all this legislation that's been proposed over the years by normal and other uh, pro weed groups. This one actually, I think will go, this will have some effect. You can catch Lee at thegunrider.substack.com, at armedamericannews.com, at saf.org. Once a week he gets with me on Lock and Load. Lee Williams, thank you very much for joining me this morning. My pleasure, Bill. Take care. Yes, sir. When we get back, and, and, and this is one of the things that I think this feeds into, we're, we're witnessing the death of citizenship in the United States. I'll explain. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. On the text line, Bill, four guys get drunk and start a fight. Four guys get high on pot and they start a band. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 That's the facts. <laughs> the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Streaming live on Facebook and on X. <laughs> now, from 1860 to 2000, we have six, we've had 61 million legal immigrants come to the United States. They came escaping poverty and oppression, but they also came wanting to assimilate. They wanted to be an American. And today, in the 21st century, the American citizenship, the birthright or the, the naturalization, whichever it is, both equally great, all of this is teetering on the edge of meaninglessness. And this is all due to your elites and their American Marxist allies. The first seven words in the U.S. Constitution are, We, the people of the United States. This was a document written by American citizens for American citizens, and yet it has been hijacked by those who want to transform us. And we, they want us to mirror the whole, the, the whole socialist global government. 
All we got to do is look at 2020. One of the very basic birthrights of American citizenship, faith in fair and free elections, has been seriously imperiled. And now, of course, we have a new name for that. That's That makes me an election denier, if I dare question it. But while we're doing that, since we had all that happen in 2020, the borders have been deliberately dismantled. The rights of Americans have been eroded and pushed aside. And one of the foundational underpinnings of America, you know, come and join us and assimilate and believe in the uniqueness of the nation, that's just being thrown away. Non-citizens are increasingly being granted the right to vote. You know, all of those unconstitutional voting law changes and ballot manipulations. We as citizens can no longer rely on an open and honest election to choose our representatives. Problem with uh, 2020 was we had millions of mail-in ballots with no security controls, indiscriminately distributed and unaccounted for throughout the length and breadth of the country. Har millions of ballots harvested by paid campaign workers. Hundreds of thousands of ballots were feloniously stuffed. And the denial of election fraud and the cover-up by the media and the ruling class, that just rings insincere for me. We've been told that the fundamental right to choose their representative, our representatives is no more as they have little to say. We don't, you know, we're, we're just not part of it anymore. Without secure and identifiable borders, you're not a nation. And citizenship in a nation that doesn't really exist means nothing if untold millions of illegal immigrants can defy the law without consequence. I saw something on, uh, I saw a clip from uh, Glenn Beck the other day where a Middle Eastern Arabic type was saying, you don't know who I am, but you're going to know my name soon. Let me welcome you to America, brother. Come talking that smack in the interior and see how that works for you. Right now, as in 2018, we thought 22 million illegals resided in the United States. So the Biden administration has invited another 10 plus in the past 36 months. They are absurdly labeled undocumented migrants. And, uh, they openly reside in the 500 sanctuary jurisdictions. They receive welfare, education, medical care. They get a driver's license. They get tuition breaks. And, and, and they're not legal immigrants or American citizens. They're exempt from federal immigration, health and travel law, and taxes. Among the most important and unique aspect of American citizenship is that guarantee of rights put forth in those first 10 amendments. Four of these, the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th, are devoted to making certain that the legal process is fair and protects you from injustice. Another one, the 4th, limits the ability of the government to conduct warrantless searches and seizures. Five of the 10 focus on your right to a fair and impartial justice. But in the past two decades, the ruling class has uh, ignored those. 
and they've created a two-tier justice, justice system now. So what we're seeing, and I've talked about this with uh, Europe, we're seeing the submersion of what it means to be an American. And we do have to fight that to get back to it. we got to fight what they're doing. And it's coming. Mark Walters of Armed American Radio, he went to SHOT Show. We're going to find out what he saw. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 